أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Where is the Walaikum Salaam? Okay, good. Yeah. So um, I missed you guys. It's been what, three weeks now? Yeah? And um, for those of you who are joining us, uh, welcome to this majlis. And for those of you who are returning, so we're continuing the discussion, right? Where did we leave off last time, by the way? Does anyone remember? Which ayah are we at right now? Which ayah? I forgot myself. Hmm? 25. 25, yes. Which surah? Surah Al-Baqarah, yes. Okay. And why are we doing Surah Al-Baqarah, by the way? Why are we going with Surah Al-Baqarah? Yeah, why? Exactly, very good. So the, the order of the surahs, there's a divine reason behind it, right? After Surah Al-Fatiha comes Surah Al-Baqarah. Yes, it's the longest surah in the, in the Quran. And yes, it seems like it's a never-ending surah, right? 286 ayat, lots and lots of topics. And the subjects keep changing, which may seem like it's a spaghetti, right? And everything is jumbled up. But then what we're trying to do is study it ayah by ayah, just without any rush to finish it, really. Like, I have no clue when we're going to finish this. I'm not even concerned. And I want the same attitude for all of you as for us to enjoy this journey together, right? And uh, everything I'll be sharing with you is just pure opinions at the end of the day, right? You're free to agree, disagree, share some other opinions you may have, because we're here to learn from each other, right? But the idea is to kind of understand the Qur'an in the lens of 2019. To use the Qur'an as a tool for us to live the most fulfilling life possible. Yes or no? I believe that's what the Qur'an's purpose is, is for us to benefit in this life and in the next life, right? And so... Hopefully today you'll get a taste of this from uh, ayah number 29. Today we're going to do 29. Okay, so we finished, last time we finished talking about several ayat. We finished off with this beautiful topic of the journey of the soul, right? And today we're going to be talking about ayah number 29 and possibly ayah number 30 if we get some time, okay? So, a'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim. Allah subhanahu wa starts off this ayah. In a, in a very beautiful way. So he says, He is the one who has, who has created for you. And I want you to pay attention to this word here, lakum. He is the one who has created for you this earth. Everything that is in this earth. What does that make you feel like? Now when Allah says everything in this earth, مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا Everything that this earth has in terms of resources, in terms of capacity, abundance, all the minerals in this earth, 
all the jobs in the world, all the customers in the world, everything, you name it, right? All the resources at your disposal, Allah has made for you. How does that make you feel when he says that to you? Hmm? Very good. So he makes you feel powerful, right? If, if you have at your disposal everything in this earth, what does that make you? Yeah, it's supposed to make you grateful. It's supposed to make you feel powerful. It's supposed to empower you, right? You have all the resources at your disposal. But can Allah is saying, what more do you want? Between the lines, that's what Allah is trying to say is that I've given you everything you need in this earth. What are you waiting for? What are you complaining about? What more do you want? And what's really incredible about this also is that you know how in science they talk about how like Earth is just another planet, right? How many planets do they teach nowadays? I, I lost count. Like Mercury, uh, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and, and Earth is just one other planet out there and we're just part of this big universe and there's this Milky Way galaxy and all sorts of galaxies. But here Allah's saying something really important. He's saying that this Earth is not the center of the world, nor is this galaxy, nor... Who is the center of Allah's creation? Us, us right? As, as human beings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored us uh, by making this earth subserv subservient to us. Ka'anna, this earth is a servant for us. Yeah? And ma fil ardi, not ma ala al-ard, fil ard, even everything that's inside the earth is for us. Yeah? Jami'an. All of it. Can Allah saying take it all? Not part of it, take it all of it. All of it, it's all for you. So He's created this for us. And Huwa, who is Huwa, by the way? Huwa. Allah, alaykum salam. So, yeah, Huwa Allah, alladhi khalaqa lakum ma fil ardi jami'an. And after He did this, after He did all this creation, then what did He do? And then he settled. Istawa literally means to set, to be settled. And he settled them equally into seven skies. Right? And he is knowledgeable of everything. Okay? He, is, he has knowledge of everything that's there. So one, another thing that you, you know, our kids sometimes ask us, where is Allah? Baba, where is God? What do we say usually? He's up there somewhere, right? Yeah. But that's how we've been trained to think of him as sitting on top of a throne up above the seven heavens, right? Isn't that what comes to mind as an imagination? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually tells us one of his names is Al-Qarib. The one who is really, really close to you. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. He is closer to us than this jugular vein that connects, that, that, that's, it's called the aorta, right? The, 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 the largest vein of the heart. He is that close to us. Yet somehow we've been programmed to think of Allah as far away and that we have to like strive so much to get to Him. And that we're so low here, right? But that's not the case. Allah is really, really close to us. He is as Sami'ah, he, he hears everything. He 
He's al-basir, he sees you all the time, he's got your back, he watches you in a subtle way, right? Not in a scary way. But he's there for you. And so here what Allah is talking about is istawa ila sama, where Allah is talking about your sama, by the way, sama is one of Allah's creations. They don't talk about this in science and physics, by the way. They talk about it as, as, as nothingness, right? This black, have you ever seen any space movies? Like, um, what was the latest one? Gravity, I think. Yeah, George Clooney, I think it was, or 2001 Space Odyssey. You guys don't watch movies? Okay. Okay, so, yeah. I, yeah, I like space movies, they're cool. But what they really show you is astronauts, by the way, can you see the screen or is this in a way? You can see it, yeah? So when you look at astronauts in space, there's obviously no gravity, but what do you see? There's blackness everywhere, right? Now what is that blackness? It is Sama, right? And what is Sama? Sama is actually a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not nothing. It's something. It's matter, right? And what is that matter? It's really this whole concept of the Sama. Think of it as Alam al-Amr or, or data, basically. Information and data. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down this data to us and then it gets materialized and manifested on earth through us as human beings. And we'll talk about this inshallah later on. But that's what I want you to comprehend this idea that there's nothing that is of no use. The Sama is there as a medium for this data from the Arsh, from, from the highest heavens, right? The sub, after the Sabah Samat is Arsh al-Rahman. So Allah in another place says, Thumma stawa ala al-Arsh, which is the throne of all data, of all knowledge. Where all, in, in Eastern traditions, they call it the Akashic records. You can read about it. Allawh al-Mahfuz, and all of this, all of this data. And, and think of it as also the internet today. It's really incredible how human beings have been able to translate that idea into real life technology today. So what is the internet? The internet is, Basically, where is the internet, first of all? Yeah, it's, it's basically up in the clouds, right? Yeah, so let's say you want to download something. You want to download a file, okay? Hopefully, it's not a torrent, right? So you want to download the halal way, yeah? So you're downloading it by paying for it, yes? So you pay for it, you download it. What does download mean? That it's somewhere up there in the clouds, right, in the net, and you're downloading it onto your device. Yes or no? Yes? So it's already there. And now when you want to upload something, why do, you, why do they call it uploading? It's because you're, you're actually, you created the content. Let's say, for example, I'm recording this talk right now, right? After the talk, I'm supposed to upload it onto Dropbox or onto the podcast channel. And then once it's uploaded on the net, then you guys can access it from your devices. Yes or no? By doing what? By downloading. So. You know this concept of dua, by the way? When Allah says, Ud'uni astajib lakum, that's actually us uploading and downloading. Every time you make a dua, every time you make a request, every time you have a thought of something that you want, a wish, a dream, what you're doing is you're uploading it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then it, Allah allows you to download it and make it a reality of your life. So that medium where this goes up and down, that 
you can think of it as the web, right? The web of Allah is a sama. Does it make sense? Yes? So that's, that's the concept of sama. It's not just nothingness. And of course, who are the, who's responsible for the messages going up and down and, and organizing everything? Yeah, but what does, who does he use? Al-Mala'ika, very good. So the Mala'ika are the Google of the, like, the spiritual world, right? Because what does Google do? It organizes information. Same thing with Al-Mala'ika, right? They organize information. So you have As-Saffati Saffa. They're one type of angels. You have other angels like Wazajirati Zajra, Taliyati Dhikra. There's many, many different types of uh, angels in the Quran, which we can talk about some other time. But for now, Sab'a Samawat. Why did Allah said say that there are seven skies or seven heavens they even say right but skies is a better word because sama is sky right samawat why are they seven number one and number two why are they equal فَسَوَّاهُنَّ سَبْعَ سَمَاوَاتِ what does even what does it even mean and why seven why not six why not five so again there's no real answer for this but i'm just going to be sharing sharing with you some insights on the number seven Seven is a very significant number in many different traditions and different aspects of our lives. Can you think of some? Okay, so let's talk about days. Easy one, right? Seven days in a week. Yeah. Um, so the creation, according to the Quran, happened in six days, right? Because in the Christian tradition, they say it was six days and then Allah rested on the seventh, which somehow for us is a problem because Allah doesn't need rest, right? In, Surah, in Ayat al-Kursi, Allah says, لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم. Allah never gets tired, nor does he need to sleep. Yeah, so he didn't. He doesn't really need rest. In fact, Allah is always doing something. Right? كل يوم هو في شأن. Allah is active. Right? He doesn't need to rest. He doesn't get tired. So another incredible aspect of the number seven is you know the creation of the the baby in the womb of the mother. Right? So this ayah talks about the creation of the baby in the mother and the stages of the creation. This is actually a scientific miracle in the Quran because Allah talks about details that today science has discovered, but who was reciting these words? Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu to the Arabs more than 1400 years ago, right? They had no microscopes, no ultrasounds, nothing. But the details with Allah explains these stages is really incredible. So Allah says, our first creation was teen. وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ سُلَالَةٍ مِنْ طِينَ We're from an extract of clay. That's stage number one, right? Count with me. Then, ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَهُ نُطْفَةً فِي قَرَارًا مَكِينَ And then you were a drop of sperm, literally, in a firm lodging. Okay? So this nutfa is the second stage. The third stage, ثُمَّ خَلَقْنَا النُطْفَةَ عَلَقَةً A clinging clot. فَخَلَقْنَا الْعَلَقَةَ مُضْغَةً What's the mudgha? A lump of flesh. What stage are we in now? Are you counting? So one, two, three, four. Very good. And then we were bones. That's stage five. Stage six is what? Flesh, right? From bones. And Allah uses a beautiful word for like bones uh, or flesh. He says, the bones were there and then we clothe the bones with flesh. Because kiswa means what? What does kiswa mean in Arabic? Clothing, yeah, covering. And then last stage, 
And so when we are completed in our creation, that's that's the final stage, which is Khalqan Akhar. So another interesting like miracle of the word seven, right, in the Quran. And of course there's this theory of us as as going through seven stages in our lives. Shakespeare has written about this. The seven ages of man. You can read about it. It's an interesting poem about how, you know, we from infancy to adolescence to adulthood. He he has this theory of how we go through seven stages in life. Even in numerology, for those of you interested in numerology, um, you know, the most popular views about our cycles, because you know how our lives go into cycles. So even those cycles, interestingly, are seven cycles that we go through in our life. And it's like a, it's always a pattern, right? And so through, through knowing the, the day you were born, using your, your like date of birth, you can actually find out where you are along that, that pattern so you can, inshallah, make use of that. Even in music, by the way, seven, um, I don't know what they call them, like notes, right? Yeah, so you have do, re, mi, fa, so, la, si. Uh, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. And then do is like n- number eight again, yeah? Um, seven years also, if you recall Yusuf alayhi salam's story, so what's, what reminds you of seven in Yusuf alayhi salam's story in the Quran? Anything about Yusuf alayhi salam? Yeah, seven years, exactly. So when he was, that was, he, he saw, or he interpreted the king's dream, where basically he interpreted it as seven years of drought compared to seven years of um, you know, abundance. And so he gave advice to the Egyptian king to save for seven years so that you can survive when the drought comes. Basically, you know, that was the idea. So even in econ- economy today, like economics and finance, in the finance world, they talk about this seven year cycle, you know, where there's, you go through a decline and then there's a maturity. Even products go through cycles also. Um, also, colors. Interestingly, right? So if you take white light and you pass it through a glass prism, how many colors do you come out with? The rainbow, right? How many colors does the rainbow have? Seven colors, right? And who knows what happens when you have another prism on that side and you're passing seven colors into that prism? Yeah, it it comes down to white light again. So white light to to rainbow, then rainbow. I sound like a physics teacher now, right? Yeah. This has nothing to do with, yeah. And then interestingly also, I want to talk a bit about the seven chakras in the human being. Uh, how many of you are familiar with this concept of chakras in our bodies, like energy, energy centers? No. So inshallah, we'll give you a bit of, uh, um, you know, hocus pocus kind of stuff, yeah? Okay. But these are mainly, yani, there's nothing crazy about this stuff. It's just, think of it as energy centers. Our body has different energy centers in our body, and one of the most popular view is that there are seven centers. The lowest one being the root chakra, which gets you rooted to the ground. Then you have the sacral chakra. Some people call it the sex chakra. You have the solar plexus, which is right here, right below the last, like, you know, when your ribs finish, this is where the solar plexus is. Then you have the heart chakra. Then you have the throat chakra. Then you have the third eye, which is right here. And then you have the crown chakra, right? And Besides the fact that, let me explain to you how chakras work or what's the benefit of chakras. So, you know, like we have electricity in this house, right? Yes? All the lights, the air conditioning. How is it, how is it reaching us? 
for those of you who are engineers, can you help out? So how is this electricity getting to us? Where, where is the source of this energy? Where is the main source in Bahrain of, of electricity? Yeah, the, power, the electric power plant, right? Where is it? In Hid. Have you guys seen that ever? So that's where most of the electricity is. And then what do you need in each city and in each neighborhood? Yeah, you need, they call them substations also, right? I hope that's what they call them, right? But there's probably a substation somewhere here that feeds all of the houses in this area, right? So these are the substations of your body, right? That are responsible for, number one, different organs in your body. So like the root chakra is responsible for your skeletal body, your circulation. Um, you have the abdomen here. You notice it covers all, like your entire body, basically, right? And then besides the organs that are responsible, there's also an emotional connection, which is connected to the hierarchy of needs of Maslow, if you remember, right? So you start off with physical needs, like food, drinks, sex, these are the low, lower chakras, right? Which are earthly, just like animals. Animals have these also, right? Yes? But then you have also the need for fa family and security and safety and then love and getting married and intimacy as you go higher up to the heart chakra, right? Then you have confidence and self-esteem which allow you to express yourself, right? And not be afraid to speak and to, to share your opinion. That's why many people get on stage and they start like sweating and getting nervous, right? Because the upper chakras aren't developed, yeah? And then of course, cognitive and knowledge and curiosity is where you come up higher up here and then Hopefully, you're, now you're at the higher levels where you see the beauty of Allah's creation and you're living in harmony and you're, self, you're in the self-actualization part now, right? Where you're now have transcended. Have you heard of the term transcendence? That's what it really means. It's to transcend the lower desires up until you become, and we'll talk about this, a khalifa of Allah on earth, okay? That's what we're going to talk about in the next ayah. But notice how, like, and again, this is not out of judgment. Like, I don't want you to now tomorrow go to the office and say, oh, she's so in the root chakra level. She's, she's so like, you know. No, it's not about judging others. It's about knowing where you are and being aware. Just simply being aware of different people. Some people, yes, they are stuck here, right? Some people, yes, they're stuck here. Some people don't care about knowledge yet and curiosity. It's okay, it's their journey. It's the stage they're in. There's no right or wrong. It's just being aware of where you are. And the journey itself, right? So how many are these also? There's seven also, right? It's as if you're elevating yourself up. I want to go a bit more deeper into each chakra also from a, the, pers the perspective of what we're going to talk about next, inshallah. So the first chakra is the grounding. Money is usually connected with this chakra also. Your connection with the physical world your needs for survival, right? So you're rooted onto the earth. The second chakra is where emotions and sensa sensations and sexuality is there, okay? Which is also very, very important. And then the third chakra is, like we said, vitality, effectiveness, personal power. As you go higher up, love and relationships, the fourth chakra. Communication, the throat chakra. Imagination, intuition, dream, visioning, sixth chakra, and then consciousness and essence. Up, up the crown chakra here, right? So those are the seven chakras. Now what's interesting about this 
Sab'a samawat also, right, is number one, there's, there's, think of it as two currents, right? There's a liberating current going upwards. Why do we call it liberating, first of all? Why is it called liberating? Good. So, so if you're stuck with the lower chakras, what, what's happening to you? Are you free or are you enslaved to certain things? Are you attached to certain things that are limiting you? What do you think? Yeah, you're stuck, right? You get stuck. You're unable to grow. You're, you're unable to evolve, right? And so the higher up you go, right, the more liberated you become, the more free you become, right? But then it doesn't stop there. Remember we talked about Sama? So... Now that you're liberated, now do you just stay up there and that's it? And you just go on a mountain and start meditating 24-7 and do nothing? What has to happen next now? Now you have to come back down and, and do something, right? Fulfill the role of the Khalifa. So you have now really creative ideas. You have this beautiful aspect of or, or idea about this world being one and that we being connected and that you know we're living in this beautiful universe where we are all supposed to love one another and help one another and, and be kind to one another, right? These beautiful ideas are there. But what, what has to happen? They have to manifest, right? And so the lower current is the manifestation now. So those ideas then turn you to start thinking about what you can do, what your passion is, what your gift is. How can you serve humanity? How can you be a, an asset for this world? How can you make the world a better place? And you start expressing, you start sharing your vision with people around you through the throat chakra. And then you start having this confidence, overcoming your fears, all the way until down at the root chakra level, now you've grounded it. Now it's become a reality. You've manifested that on earth. So you see how this is a beautiful cycle also, right? It's a constant cycle. So you're going up and you're, you're coming down. And we explained that many, many times weeks ago, months ago, right, in Surah Al-Fatiha. Iyaka na'bud is that upward liberating current, right? Iyaka na'bud, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Iyaka nasta'een is the downward current, where now we need Allah's help to fulfill our role of Khalifa on earth. So when we looked at this slide from Surah Al-Fatiha, we said that this is the, the central message of the entire Quran, right? It's split into two ideas. Ibadah and Khilafa. Allah created us for Ibadah. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And Allah says, إِنِّي جَعْلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً Notice, إِنِّي جَعْلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ Where? Where is the Khalifa? On earth, right? So earth, again, grounding. You got to bring it down. And then what's, what's the path that we got we to be on? It's that Sirat Al-Mustaqeem. إِهْدِنَا Sirat Al-Mustaqeem. Surat al-Ladheena an'amta'alim The people who follow this path are the people who will truly be living in the true bliss of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Al-Ladheena an'amta'alim Na'im You're living in Na'im Because you have both balanced out The upward current and the downward current Does it make sense? Yes? Are you all with me so far? Okay, very good And of course Allah also tells us that there are seven samawat. Uh, they talk about this in ancient cosmology. I don't want to go too much into this, also, but 
if you read books like The Firmament, where they, they talk about the idea of seven skies also, in the Christian tradition they talked about this. Notice, Notice, So all of Allah's awamir come down through the sky. Okay? But I don't want to go too much into that, right? So next, after Allah tells us that He created this earth for us and that He made these seven skies and everything, now He's telling us what we're supposed to do on earth, right? So He, he, he doesn't tell us directly, He tells it to us in, us in a story fashion. Now Allah uses stories in the Qur'an and this is the first story in the Qur'an, by the way. Now. Let's stop for a second and, and think about stories. Why does Allah use stories in the Quran? Why isn't it just like a, a book of laws and... Good, so it's easier to relate to. What else? Hmm. Why does Allah use stories? Examples. Very good. What else? What's the benefit of using stories in the Quran? Helps you, yes? Good, so you can relate to them. They usually have deep, deeper meanings. It's, ent it's entertaining also, right? Yes? Why do people go watch movies all the time? Because we like stories, yes? It's easier to absorb, it's also there's always more of a story. Yes, very good, very good. A central idea. And sometimes there's more depth in, in stories, yes? Especially when you have different characters and you have a plot and you have a theme and you have a... Like it helps you imagine, it helps it make, makes it more real. Less resistance, yes. And so this is the first story in the Qur'an. And Allah subhanahu wa tells us that he's the best storyteller, by the way. نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ So... You know how like you have the box office where like you have the top movies or the top like even on Amazon you have the best selling sto uh, stories, right? Fiction books. So what happens to the global rankings in terms of movie rankings, uh, book rankings of stories? What happens to them usually? It keeps changing. Why do they keep changing? Viewers, yeah, but if it's, if it's a really nice story, why does it change? Very good, someone comes up with a better story. Or you get bored of it. If you read, like, I mean, the first story I read was Matilda's story. How many of you have read Matilda? Royal Dal, right? It's the only book I've ever read in school, by the way. I used to cheat. Like, every grade I used to bring the same book. That's how much I hated reading back then. So, um, yeah, I mean, you read the book once, and then, are you going to read it a second time? Why not? Okay, you read it a second time. Are you going to read it a third time? Yeah, it's going to happen. Okay, fourth time, are you going to read it? Yeah. Fifth time? <laughs> Sixth? Okay. So most of us, we won't, right? That's why the rankings keep changing. Because you watch a movie once. I mean, what's the most watched movie ever? I don't know about you, but Titanic for me was like the, the most... Like, I think I watched it seven times, right? It broke all records for me. But same thing with movies. You watch a movie once, twice, three times if you're crazy, right? But then you won't watch it again because you already know what's going to happen. You already know the end, right? And so that's the reality of our like, worldly stories and, and, 
our capacities to create stories. But Allah's stories are different. Again, Allah says, So, what's different about Allah's stories then? Very good. Yeah, that sums it up basically, right? They're timeless and they're always going to be number one. Whether we understand them or not, whether we comprehend them or not, whether we appreciate them or not, that's a different story, right? But they are, they are number one. Absolutely, right? So you never get bored of it, right? Like, that's, that's absolutely the truth. Yeah. And that's one of the miracles of the Quran is that it speaks to us on the soul level, right? Not at the intellectual level where it's, it's logical, no. At the soul level, depending on where you are in your journey in life, it will talk to you in a different way. And so the way I'm going to be explaining to you is from my lens, right? Inshallah, when you get your personal relationship with the Quran, you'll extract other beautiful meanings that will come out of you based on your lens, right? So there's no right or wrong. It's just different ways and different uh, colors, right? Be different beautiful ways of looking at it. So ready to hear the story? So, وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ And when your Rabb said to the angels, إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةِ I am most definitely جَاعِلٌ I'm not going to say what that means yet, right? جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةِ I'm making a khalifa on earth. جَاعِل really means making, right? But first of all, who's Allah talking to? The angels. Okay, so what we learn here is that Allah has a very close relationship directly with the angels. And um, he says, إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً What does the word جَاعِلٌ mean? Making. Making? He could have said, إِنِّي خَالِقٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةً right? I'm creating a khalifa on earth. But he didn't say creating, he said جَاعِل, which means what? Very good. So Ja'ala means something existed and it got transformed or it's like an appointment, right? So, so what, what this ayah is telling us is actually, and this may sound shocking to some of you, right? But human beings before Adam according to this ayah, were there, right? There were human beings. But Adam was the first Khalifa, right? Maybe because Allah blew into him this ruh, وَنَفَخْنَا فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِنَا, right? And when afaktu fihi min ruhi, Allah says to Adam. So maybe this ruh that was blown into Adam is what made him a khalifa. Allahu alam. But ja'ilun clearly means that these creatures were existing on earth, and most probably we'll, we'll know later on that they did exist. Actually, let's go there, right? What do the angels respond to Allah with? Qalu, in a question, by the way, huh? this is now the angels questioning Allah. أَتَجْعَلُ فِيهَا مَنْ يُفْسِدُ فِيهَا وَيَسْفِكُ الدِّمَاءِ Oh Allah, are you appointing him? Are you appointing someone who's going to spread corruption and bloodshed on this earth? Okay, let's stop there for a second. Why did the angels say this? Why are the angels coming to this conclusion? Why are they even asking this question? How do they know? How do they know? Uh, or how did they even get that idea that this human being is going to cause corruption and bloodshed on earth? 
Where did this idea come from? So they probably have seen it, right? So again, it confirms the idea that there were certain creatures on earth that were causing bloodshed and corruption, right? And in some tafsir, even Ibn Kathir mentions these creatures, by the way. So I'm not making this stuff up, right? But why did the angels assume this? Is because that's what they saw on earth from those creatures, right? But then Allah here is telling us that no, 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 this, this person, this Adam being the father now, right? Adam has been given something special. Adam has been given this ruh, which those creatures didn't have from before, right? And so the ruh represents this divine download, okay? It's like this installed software in all of us that gives us the potential to, to do something other than facade and bloodshed. Does that make sense? Yes? So all those creatures, did they have this divine installation in them? No, they didn't have that software, right? Who, who was the first person with that software? Adam, Adam right? And so this Ja'ilun, what made him a Khalifa is that software. So who has that soft software today? Every single one of us. Every single human being has that software, right? Which is what distinguishes us from all of others, uh, other creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that software comes with choice also. Which is also really beautiful. That, that software allows you to now choose. To, to choose between diff different paths, right? And that freedom of choice comes along with this installation. Whereas, do angels have choice? No. no. Animals, do they have choice? No, they don't. They just do what they, like, I mean, they don't have choice, right? Adam had a choice, absolutely. What's the biggest proof that Adam had a choice? Hmm. It's, it's the next story, but inshallah, let's, let's solve it right now. What's the biggest proof that Adam had choice? Because he chose to eat from the tree, right? Yeah, him and his wife chose to eat from the tree out of their own will, right? So... We'll talk about it when you get there, inshallah, yeah? But I'm just here giving you the idea of this divine installation, this software inside of us that enables us to make choices, okay? Now, let's move on. So, so the angels are questioning Allah. Wait, let's stop it for a second now. Angels are questioning Allah? Now, isn't that supposed to be rude? How come we're questioning, how come they're questioning Allah? So what else are we learning? <laughs> So we're learning here is that this questioning is not... Because you know how you have different types of questions, by the way. Yes? Sometimes people ask questions out of sarcasm. Sometimes people ask questions um, sarcastically to ridicule someone. Or for insult, yeah. But here are... Ma'adullah, right? Angels are asking because they seriously have a concern for earth, Right? They don't want another creation to come and spread bloodshed and corruption on earth. And how do we know that? Because they say, Ya Allah, why, you know, notice after this. While we do this thing called tasbih of your hamd and taqdis of you. 
Ya Allah, we're already doing tasbih and taqdis of you. So why are you creating this Adam on earth? You guys, you guys see what's happening here? Yes? So Allah says to them, Qala, He talks to the angels, He talks back to the angels. Inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun. I know what you don't know. Okay? What did Allah just tell us in the previous ayah? Wallahu bi kulli shay'in alim. Now He's telling us a story of where this ilm comes uh, real, right? So it's reaffirming his knowledge, okay? So let's talk about this idea of fasad. Yufsidu fiha wa dima. What does fasad mean? We've talked about this earlier, but just to refresh, what does fasad mean? Fasada, corruption. Uh, what's the op sometimes to understand a word, let's talk about the opposite of it. So what's the opposite of fasad in the Quran? Islah. Very good. So, so you know how when Allah talks about the believers, He keeps saying, "Alladina amanu wa." الصالحات. Have you heard that before? Yeah? It always goes hand in hand, right? الصالحات means you're, you're fixing, you're purifying, you're um, undoing the mess, basically, right? And mufsidun are people who are causing the mess. They're making things worse. Uh, you guys know accounting like liabilities and assets? Yes? So fasad would be what? A liability and it's you guys are clearly not like accounting and finance yeah? <laughs> but yeah liability like your car is a liability it keeps deteriorating depreciating yeah whereas like your investment in some land hopefully if it's like a good place right it's an asset and increases so on one hand you have causes that are Evolving humanity and taking humanity forward. Let's call that humanity plus. Yeah, that's called amal salih. Anything that's humanity plus, anything that's humanity minus, anything that's taking us, making things worse is fasad. Is that simple? Yes. Okay. So, um, give me idea. Give me examples of fasad today. What kind of fasad exists today in the world? Uh, again, yeah. Um, Depends how you see it. I, I know people who like, really like him. So, But yeah, in some cases, um, you have certain people who are mufsidun. But I'm talking about like um, effects of that. Let's, see, let's, let's talk about the effects of facade. Bribery. Bribery, yes. So when you have uh, corruption in business, okay. Pollution, Pollution yeah. Corruption on, in terms of environment. There's um, crime. There's... Poverty, health issues, yes? Different areas of corruption in, in this world today. I mean, all you have to do is open the news, right? How many of you read the news regularly? Like, okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's very little good news in newspapers, right? Like, it's, there's, there's always so much facade stories, right? So, 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 fasad is pretty, pretty much widespread, right? What about safkid dima? What does yasfikud dima mean? Yeah, bloodshed, really. Yeah, which is like the underlying quality here is hatred. So much hatred that you're willing to take the life of someone else. Okay, is that also pretty common? So now, looking at the world today and looking at the statement of the angels, were they right? Yes. 
Okay, so Allahu A'lam, but what I understand from this is that they saw it on earth. They saw bloodshed and corruption on earth done by the creatures before Adam. So jinn is a, again a different story, but yani, I'd rather not get into it now. But it's a different realm. It's a different, it's a, it's a different uh, dimension. You can think of it, right? So they coexist. So there's angels, jinn, and then human beings. Different realms or different uh, dimensions of the same reality, right? Um, so it's not like angels came first, then jinn, and they all coexisted. Wallahu alam, these are umur ghaibiyya. Yani. There's no way to say for certain. So angels saw bloodshed and corruption on earth. They thought this man, oh, there, there we go again. Another guy who's going to spread bloodshed and corruption. But this time, what was special about him? The ruh, right? That divine installation, the freedom of choice. And Allah here says to them, Inni a'lamu ma la What is Allah telling them between the lines? I know what you don't know. Why did he end it that way? Mm -hmm. And what does he see? What does he see? What does he see this Khalifa doing? Very good. So he's, he's going to do something different this time, right? Which is going to prove the angel's assumptions wrong. Let's talk about Khalifa for a second. Mm. Yeah. Inshallah, there's, there's good happening in the world, yeah? Depends where you look. But let's talk about the word Khalifa right now. What does Khalifa mean? Mm. Yeah, so the one who comes after. Khalifa means to come after. Um, I like to use the word ambassador, actually. Because what is an ambassador? A representative of? The head of a state, right? Yes? That's why you have ambassadors in different countries. So literally Allah assigned a title for all of us. We are all ambassadors of who? Ambassadors of who? Of Allah, right? On earth. How cool is that? Our title is an ambassador of God on earth. And uh, how does that make you feel, by the way? Powerful, special. What else? Responsibility. Okay. Now we're going to. Uh huh. Now the yeah the real stuff's coming out. So um, again, yani, we talked about judgment last time, right? But be. Just some friendly advice is Allah here doesn't mean to kind of burden us with responsibility. This word responsibility actually like I, I think we all should delete it from our dictionaries, right? There's no such thing as responsibility here. There's choice. What feels more lighter, right? The word responsibility or choice? Choice, right? Yeah, so choose. Choose to be a Khalifa. You have freedom of choice, yeah? Yes. Um, what did you get from Khalifa? Like, Khalifa of Allah? Yes. Khalifa, 
one way to look at this is Khalifa is um, Allah mentions this by the way very يعني, few times in the Quran so I think this is one of the very few times where it's mentioned and right after this uh, story the next story talks about Adam alayhi salam's uh, you know mission on earth basically so what you're saying is why are why why are we saying there's ambassador of Allah not um, a Khalifa of the previous creatures yeah could be maybe they understood Khalifa to mean followers of the other creatures could be yeah that's an interesting point of view also yeah. um, and notice inni ja'ilun Allah says I so who's doing it now it's Allah's will, right? Inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. And the way I understand this is Allah had to transform or appoint this man with this installation. Why? Because there was so much bloodshed and corruption on earth that this had to happen to make a change. Because how does Allah, like one of Allah's names is As-Salam, yes? Al-Quddus which means like the sacred. As-Salam means the source of all peace. Uh, Ar-Rahim, the source of all mercy and love, right? Al-Wadud, the source of all love. Now, how, does, how do all of these qualities of Allah get manifested on earth? Even Ar-Razaq, Allah is Ar-Razaq, but how do, how do we get our rizq? Hmm. If Allah is Ar-Razaq, how do we get our rizq? So does Allah throw down 20 dinar bills into our bank accounts? Does Allah, wire, does Allah transfer money into your account? Okay, but how many, of you, how many of you work? How many of you work here? Or, okay, so every month the, your salary comes into your account from where? From Allah? Allah sends it to you? Tell, please tell me what's his bank account number, please. <laughs> Ivan. It comes to you from your boss, from your employer, right? So your employer is the Razak now, who is the Khalifa of Allah on earth through his name, Al Razak. You guys see what's happening here? Yeah? So if you go to a doctor to get healed, right? One of Allah's names is Al Bari', which means the healer. Now, when you get sick, how do you get healed? You go to the doctor and the pharmacist. Hopefully, there's no facade there, right? Yeah. Um, but hopefully, you're going to some to someone you trust or whatever. But they, that doctor is the Khalifa of Allah on earth through the name Al Bari', right? So you go to him. And you get healing because Allah has gifted him with the gift of healing because he's the Khalifa of Allah on earth. You guys see what's happening here? Yes? So through different names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we become Khalifas of Allah on earth. Some people become Khalifas of Allah through his name Al-Bari. Some people become Khalifas of Allah through Al-Razzaq. How many of you are designers and graphic designers? And Okay, so Al-Musawwar. One of Allah's names is Al-Musawwar. So so every time you know you create something creative with your photos, photography, video, film, whatever, you are being a Khalifa of Allah on earth through his name, Al-Musawwar. 
Okay? So that's how it works. Yeah? So, What's the opposite of fasad? We said islah. What's the opposite of bloodshed? Hmm. Opposite of bloodshed? Peace and love. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And so you have two acts here versus two acts here. Now we're going into the next level of discussion now, right? Notice, two acts of these people who are on earth, facade and bloodshed, and then two acts that are angelic. What's the first one? Nusabbihu bihamdika, and the second one is? Nuqaddisulak. So now we, we know what yufsidu fiha wa yasfiku dima' means. What do these two terms mean? That's what we're going to talk about next, inshallah. Okay? So, Now, often tasbih in the traditional way they've taught us is subhanallah, 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 subhanallah. Right? Tasbih. Yeah. And hamd is often translated as being grateful, right? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, we're so grateful, we're so thankful. But Hamd and Shukr, because Allah, one of His names is Ash-Shakur also. What does Shukr mean? What does Shukr mean? Yeah, being grateful. So what does Hamd mean? Does it also mean gratitude? How can two words mean the same thing? Okay. So, inshallah, so I'm going to, inshallah, present to you um, a fresh definition of Hamd. Okay. Inshallah, um, we'll talk about it for a second now. Nusabbihu bihamdik. Notice the ba here. Okay? Bihamdik. And may Allah give me the tawfiq to explain this to you because honestly, I've never explained this. This is the first time I'm explaining this, inshallah. So, nusabbihu, let's look at nusabbihu first. What does nusabbihu, what's the root word of nusabbihu? Yeah, so swimming, right? So let's look at it. To so swim, to roll onwards. So again, you're going forward, right? Tasbih. Think of, think of the Khalifa now. Uh, someone who's doing Amal Salih, right? Swimming. Now, is swimming supposed to be easy or difficult? Is it supposed to be enjoyable or like, like uh, tiring? Or? Yeah, so there's this idea of smooth. Like you're, you're swimming as if through water. You're rolling onwards. Performing a daily course is also called tasbih. Floating, I love this word, floating. Is there lightness in this word? Yes? So you're floating like angels float, yes? What's the opposite of floating? Sinking. Okay? So tasbih also means floating. The act of swimming, a chain of business, those who are floating, traveling far, being quick and swift also is a nice one. Yeah? Quick and swift. To praise, like you said, to glorify, magnify, Sing, celebrate, and praise. Tasbih also. Okay, that's what the angels are doing. How often, by the way? How often are the angels doing tasbih? 24-7, like non-stop, right? And how many angels are there? Countless, countless. Like from the, from the earth all the way up to the seven heavens. There's literally, in one hadith, Allah says, there's angel upon angel upon angel doing sajda and doing tasbih of Allah. 
That's their job. So there's no space that's empty except it's filled with tasbih of Allah. And who else is doing tasbih? Everything Allah created is doing tasbih. The trees outside are doing tasbih of Allah now. The birds, the insects, the animals, everything. In, in one tradition, Allah tell, the Prophet tells us that you know, he used to give khutbah and he used to lean against a trunk in his masjid in Nabawi, like a, tr a tree trunk. Okay, he used to lean and give us khutbah, and then when they renovated the the design of the masjid and they they designed this thing called the pulpit, where you know where he get, like they made an elevated place. So what did he have to do? He had to leave this trunk, and he went up, and as he was leaving up and he gave khutbah, they heard the crying, like a sound of someone crying. Right? What was crying? The tree trunk was crying because the Prophet was no longer going to be. Leaning against them. So even like trees, animals, everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يسبح, He says, Everything in the skies and the earth does tasbih of Allah. Everything is fulfilling its role on, on this, in existence. In a flowing manner, in a swift manner, in a joyful manner. Okay? In a very joyful manner. And, and again, in that act is tasbih, is praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for God to be removed from or free from all sorts of imperfection and impurity. So tasbih also means to be elevated up, right? Because you're floating. And the more you float, the more you're protected from the impurities of earth. Okay? So you see, when we go deeper into the word, we get a broader understanding of the word tasbih now, okay? So now everything does tasbih of Allah in the skies and the earth constantly, except who? Except the human being, he has what? He has a choice. He has a choice. They don't have choice. They're just doing tasbih. That's, they're, they're fulfilling their own. Nothing else has choice. So are you with me so far? Yes, we're going step by step. Now I'll explain it in a different way also. So actually let me show you a video to, to explain this, right? So this is a video, a time lapse of um, like uh, Mecca. How many of you have been to Mecca, Umrah or something or Hajj? No? Okay. So for those who haven't been, you've probably seen this on TV somewhere, but let's just look at the video. Uh, and I want you to think of the definition of tasbih now, right? Okay? Swimming, floating, swift, and all of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a three-minute video.
Okay, so that is what I feel the, the, the word tasbih actually means is to float, to swim without resistance. And the opposite of tasbih in the Quran. Is this thing called ghiwaya, by the way, ghiwaya. The shaitan tells Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I will for sure mislead all of them to the wrong direction, all of them to the wrong path. And so you notice how like, they were doing tawaf over the, uh, around the Kaaba in an anti-clockwise manner, right? Yes. What would happen to you if you tried to go against the tide? Yeah, you'll be crushed. Okay. That's exactly what shaitan wants for us. Right? He wants us to be in this riwaya, resistance. The angels are doing tasbih. Everything that Allah has created is doing tasbih. That's why you don't see bloodshed and corruption up above, right? You don't see bloodshed, you don't see wars happening between birds and like clouds and you know, you don't see that. All of it is happening on earth. Why? Because we have left tasbih. We have chosen the path of riwayah, not the path of tasbih. And so is it possible to live a life of tasbih? What do you think? Yes, yes it is, right? It's a choice. Again, Allah has given us a choice. So a life free of resistance. Um, and we'll talk about that. That's exactly what we're going to talk about next. I didn't start yet, by the way. This is all an introduction. Let's keep going then, okay? Let's answer Rayana's question. What do you mean by tasbih? Yeah, okay, so, so that's tasbih. Now what's bihamdik? Nusabbihu bihamdik. Allah says in Surah Al-A'la, Sabbih bismi rabbika al-A'la. Sabbih bihamdi rabbik. Allah says, he keeps saying this all the time. So we know what tasbih means. Bihamd. What does bihamd mean? What does the ba mean? With. Right? So you have this thing called hamd and you need to do tasbih with this, right? Yes? So my understanding so far after studying the Quran for many many years is that hamd, alhamdulillah, refers to all the spiritual laws of this universe. It's like a code of um, living basically that Allah has given us that if we lived by then we would be doing tasbih the spiritual laws of the universe are the codes and the laws that if we understood and we applied them in our lives we would be able to do tasbih think of it as a system a, a divine system where everything works in harmony, when in perfection, uh, there is beauty in it. Everything is becomes easy. Allah says, "Yuridullahu bikum al yusr" in the Quran. Allah wants ease for you. Yuridullahu an yuxafif ankum. Allah wants to lighten up your burdens. Allah says, "Yuridu an yutimma ni'matahu alaykum." Allah wants to complete His blessings upon you. Yuridu li yutahhirakum. Allah wants to cleanse you. Allah wants all sorts of good things for us, and He's given us this hamd system. And he's given us the choice 
to either live by it or choose the riwayah, the path of shaitan. And that's why we start off with Al-Fatiha after Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. This system belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. So let's talk about these laws, right? There's many of them. I'll share with you one of the most powerful ones, right? It's called the, the law of divine oneness. It's one of the most powerful ones. So the law of divine oneness is the foundational law, according to which absolutely everything in our universe is interconnected. In other, uh, in other words, every choice, word, desire, and belief you have will also have an impact on the world and on the people in your life. Try to think of yourself as part of everything around you to live in accordance with this law. We are all one, and awareness of this makes us more powerful as well as more empathetic. And then there's many, many other laws. And wallahi, yani, this is one of the most important pieces of knowledge that you can uh, have. And I wish they taught us this stuff in school, yani. Don't you? Yes? Because this is what we need to, to like really live a beautiful life, right? Is to, to unlock these codes that are there. They're, they're there for us. And today with Google and everything, they're like, it's, just Google it, spiritual laws of the universe. There's multiple books written about this to these topics. There's the law of vibration, law of correspondence, law of attraction, which became very popular. That's just one of the many laws. And by the way, let me share with you something interesting here. You know when the law of attraction, the secret and all this, it came out and everybody went crazy about it, and, right? But then they applied it and what happened? Most people applied it and did it work? For very few people it worked, by the way, right? For, for the most part, it didn't work. Why? Okay, but why? Okay, close. I'm looking for another answer. Why? Why? They just followed this law. Why didn't it work? Very good, yeah. So there's many other laws. So Alhamdulillah means you follow all the, all the laws, right, for it to work. For you to be in harmony, for your entire life to be sorted out, all the laws need to be activated, right? If you have attraction, but yeah, your, 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 your resistance is there, or you're paying attention to the wrong thing, it's going to get messed up, right? So we live in a world of vibrations, and you can't fool the universe, okay? So there's many, many laws, the law of rhythm, the law of relativity, the law of cause and effect, the law of comp compensation, what you resist persists, many, many laws that we need to learn. We need to teach this, teach this to, our, to our kids, wallahi. Like, I mean, without this stuff, you can have a PhD from Harvard or MIT. Are you gonna still struggle with your life? Yes, because you're, you're not connected with Alhamdulillah, right? And so where do we find all these laws? Where do we find them? Where are they? Everywhere. So, yeah, but like, you want to you wanna understand these laws. Where do you find them? Quran. Yes, so Quran. Quran has all of these laws and many, many more that we'll keep discovering, right? But then I liked Rayana's answer. Everywhere. You look around you, you see these laws. Especially in nature. Nature is one of the most powerful teachers for us, right? 
because Allah says, "Inna fi khalq al-samawati wal-ard la ayatun li'ulid al-bab." So there, there are signs of these laws all around us, everywhere we look, right? Now, besides that, I want to also talk about this idea of the Ten Commandments. Have you heard of the t- concept of the Ten Commandments? What is it? Like, what is it about? And who does it belong to? Hmm? So, yeah, the Jews and the Christians, uh, it was revealed in their Torah and the Injil. Um, that they're known as the Ten Commandments. There's movies made about this. But what's so special about the commandments? There are commands from Allah for who? For, for us, right? Yes? Why, why are they in the form of a command? Is Allah, is Allah forcing us to follow them? What do you think? Yeah, so these are, so think of them as laws, exactly, right? So they are laws that Allah is telling you that, listen, if you follow these laws, you'll be in hamd, you'll be doing tasbih of me also. And how many are they? So are they that many? Inshallah, can we memorize them all today? Yeah. Okay, so I'll share with you the, the Bible and um, Torah version, like the Christian and the Jew, Jewish version. And then I have a surprise for you. Okay? Is it commandment or wasaya? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same Commands غير commandments. Commands معناتها أوامر. صح؟ Commandments وصايا. Is the screen clear by the way? Or because the writing is a bit... Okay. Ready? So the first one. You shall have no other gods but me. This is the Jewish and Christian version. Okay. You shall have no other gods but me. By the way, it's originally written in a very Shakespearean, uh, Shakespearean language, so I, I toned it down a bit, so it makes sense, okay? It's not, it's not exactly the way it's written. So does this sound familiar? You shall have no other god but me. The second one is you shall not make for yourself or any idol, nor bow down to it or worship it, okay? The third one, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, of the Lord your God. Misusing the name of Allah, basically. Yeah? The third one, you shall remember and keep the Sabbath day holy. Number five, respect your fa- father and mother. Number six, you must not commit murder. Seven, you must not commit adultery. You guys know what adultery is? Do I need to translate? Huh? Adultery is... Uh, yeah, and zina, it's called zina also in the Quran, right? Where there's a relationship uh, outside of marriage, like a, a sexual intimate relationship between a male and a female outside of marriage. It's called adultery. Uh, you must not steal. You must not give false evidence against your neighbor, meaning you shouldn't testify against your neighbor with something false, basically. Yeah? Get your neighbor in trouble for something they didn't do. And then 10... It's all about neighbor again. There's something interesting here, right? Neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. So you, sh- you must not be envious of your neighbor's goods, like his car, his house, whatever, right? You shouldn't be jealous of your, the property of your neighbor. You shall not be envious of his house, nor his wife, nor anything that belongs to your neighbor. 
Interesting, huh? So 9 and 10 are all about the neighbor. Now, why do you think that's so? What's, why did they give so much weight to the neighbor? Yeah, so it's about the community now, yeah? So these are community-related laws. So these are the Ten Commandments that the, the Jews and Christian references talk about. But then, guess what? The Quran also has, I mean, you know, its own version of the Ten Commandments in Surah Al-An'am. And they're all mentioned, like, literally like a list itself, inshallah. So I'll share them with you, inshallah. So let's look at them. So Allah says, قُلْ تَعَالَوْا and before we go to these, now why are we sharing this? Why am I sharing this with you? Yeah, so again, we talked about spiritual laws, right? What, this is a list of 10 things that Allah was going to either tell us to do or not to do, right? Why is He telling us to do or not do things? Why has He given us this list? Exactly, so that you can be in tasbih of His hamd. He's giving you the laws. If you follow them, you'll be in tasbih. If not, then there's going to be problems. So, قُلْ تَعَالَوْ Say to them, come. أَتْلُ مَا حَرَّمَ رَبُّكُمْ عَلَيْكُمْ Let me recite unto you what your Lord has made haram for you. Okay. Number one, أَلَّا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Number two, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Excellence with your parents. Number three, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَوْلَادَكُمْ مِنْ أَمْلَاقِ إِمْلَاقِ نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكُمْ وَإِيَّهَمْ Do not kill your children. This is talking about, you know, back in the days they used to um, bury their children alive because they, they were a burden on them, right? So Allah is saying that we provide for you and for them, you know, don't kill your children. مِنْ إِمْلَاقِ which means fear, out of fear of poverty, okay? Number four, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الْفَوَاحِشِ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ Don't go near shameless acts, right? So adultery and that kind of stuff. Whatever is exposed of it and whatever is hidden. مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَمَا بَطَنَ الظَّهَرَ الْبَاطَنَ الظَّهَرَ is what's in the outside, external, and باطن is what's in the inside. وَلَا Notice, وَلَا 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 Right? Okay? Don't, don't, don't. وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ do not kill uh, a nafs. Illa bilhaq is except where there is justice, right? So that's about up to the courts. And then Allah takes a pause. It's like a, a, a breath of like, you know, pause. That is what Allah has given you as wasaya. What does wasiya mean, by the way? A will. And when is it given? When is it given and why is it given? A wasiyya. Okay, when I give you a wasiyya, why would I give you a wasiyya? Yeah, it's because, you know, you're caring about that person and you want to give them advice, consolation, right? So that's what wasiyya means, yeah? So, it's, so embedded in all these ayat is love, actually, right? Unfortunately, we have a very... We have an allergy towards the word haram, right? And, and then we think that everything is haram, haram, haram. This religion is about haram, haram, haram. Allah is only in, interested in haram, haram, haram. But we need to be more mature about that, right? And 
realize that, yes, the language that's been used is don't do this, don't do, do, do this, don't do this, don't do this. But why? Because Allah loves us. And He's telling us what these laws are that will benefit us eventually if we follow them, right? But at the end of the day, Allah has given us choice. Yeah? We have freedom of choice. You choose. Yeah? So that's what Allah has given you as wasiyah. So that you may hopefully begin to use your brains, begin to understand. And then later on, and by the way, ta'qilun, interesting word here, right? I need to stop and explain this. So aql is what? The mind, right? Yes? So aql in the Arabic language also means to tie up. Right? And that's why the Arabs would wear the aqal. Do you know why they would wear the aqal, by the way? The Arabs in the desert? Yeah, to tie up the camel, basically, right? It wasn't used for fashion back then. It's actually a tool to tie up the camel. And so aql, Allah has given you aql. Why? Because it's the device that you need to use to what? To tie yourself up. Whenever you have the temptation, you know, to, be, to, to disrespect your parents, for example, you tie yourself up and you say no. You have the temptation to get into fahisha, you tie yourself up. You have the temptation to kill, you tie, tie yourself up. You have the temptation to you know, not care, take care of your children, whatever. So this device is actually there to help us tie ourselves up. Okay? And then six, Do not go near the money of the yatim. What does that mean? The orphan, right? So because orphans, they don't know how to manage their money and so you better not take advantage of that weakness and use that money for yourself. Unless you're really good at investments, then you can take their money and invest it and grow it so that they can, you can make more money out of it, right? Until they become old enough so that they can manage their own money. Number seven, This is talking about balance and, and um, fair trade and not stealing and not, um, not cheating in business, basically, right? And then he talks about, so this is talking about corruption in business, by the way. All sorts of corruption and bribery in business. And when you speak, your speech is supposed to be with adl. You're supposed to be just in your speech. Even if it's for those who are near you, Allah says. Okay, so it's talking about speech here, the way we talk, your communication with others, your expression to others. And fulfill the promise of Allah. Then Allah takes another pause here. What's the difference between this one and this one? Same sentence. In the first one, He says, right? In the second one, he says, تذكرون, so that you may remember, because maybe these are things that we tend to forget more. So it's like three categories, right? The first one is for the ta'qilun part, second one is for tadakkarun, and then the last one is, وَإِنَّ هَذَا صُرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمٌ فَاتَّبِعُوهُ 
That's the, that's the last commandment. It's follow the Sirat al Mustaqim. Another way to understand it is follow this Quran. Right? So you have three la'allakums, you have la'allakum ta'aqilun, la'allakum tadakkaroon, and la'allakum tattaqoon, so that you may be empowered. So tattaqoon comes from quwwa also, which means what? When you are living in the hamd of Allah, when you're doing tasbih of Allah, you will be empowered. You have this idea of taqwa, right? Nothing can harm you. You're protected. You're in the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is another way of looking at the snap, like the, it's a snapshot of hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, these laws of Allah. And there are just 10, by the way. There are not many. Everything, you know how they say, oh, Islam is full of haram things? How many haram things are there, by the way? How many? It's just these, by the way. That's it, yani. Is that, is, that, is that a lot to ask? And are they all that like difficult? No, right? Most of them are common sense, actually. And so if everything else you've heard about, this is haram, that is haram, this is haram, that is haram, what do you do with that? Control, alt, delete. Okay, because Allah didn't, didn't, if it was there, it would have been here. Okay. So, looking at the comparison between the Quran and um, the, the Christian and, and Jewish version, are they similar in a way? Yes? Pretty much all of them, right? Look at this. These top three are talking about Allah tushriku bi shay'an. Yes or no? And then uh, parents is there also. And then uh, committing murder, killing your children. Like, you know, both are there. Adultery, same thing is there. Don't steal, same thing. Stealing from the, like, the orphans and corruption in business. We talked about that, right? Giving false evidence is also part of not saying the qawlun adl, right? Yeah? So, in general, most of them are repeated, yani, you know, and if you think, look at the last one, uh, like, following the Salat al-Mustaqeem, then all of them, all of them are, are connected to another, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran is, is being more specific. So does it make sense now, this idea? Nusabbihu bihamdik. So when you follow the hamd of Allah, your life will be in harmony. You will be flowing. And so to answer your question now, how come most of humanity there is bloodshed and corruption? What's the answer now? Because we are not, we're not following the law. We're not, we're not following the, the, the formula Allah gave us, yani, right? So who do we blame? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> no, Allah, in fact, shaitan on the day of judgment, guess what? Like, um, uh, there's actually in the Quran a khutbah that shaitan will make. Do you guys know this? So shaitan is going to be standing in front of all the people of the hellfire and he's actually going to give a speech. And what he's going to say in the speech is, "Inna Allah wa'adakum wa'ad al-haqi wa wa'adtukum fa'akhlaftukum." Allah gave you the promise of the truth, and I also promised you, but I betrayed my promise, right? 
And so therefore he would say to them, فَلَا تَلُومُونِي وَلَكِنْ لُومُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ I only invited you, you accepted my invitation. Do not blame me, blame yourself. This is recorded in the Quran, right? So this excuse of blaming shaitan doesn't really work. So think of tasbih as surfing also. Like if you're, if you're a professional surfer, not a, like a crappy surfer, right? If you're a professional surfer and you're flowing, then what's going on around you? There's waves and people are crashing and all sorts of problems and facade. And, but what, what are you doing? You are in flow, right? You are floating, you are swimming, you are swift, you're enjoying it. You're like, it's like you're dancing, right? In the middle of a storm, you're dancing. Why? Because you've got the laws figured out. And you are, you know, think of it as a game, actually. Life is, Allah, in fact, in seven places in the Quran tells us that This life is actually game and fun, actually. Actually. It's a, it's a play, it's a game. Hmm? Yeah, and so to play a game, like how many of you play video games and like your phones or stuff? Come on, you can tell me. Yeah, now the hands come up. Okay. So when you play video games, why do you play them? Because they entertaining, it's fun, it's challenging also, right? Easy games are boring, yes or no? And um, Allah is telling us life is also a game. Enjoy it, play it. And if you know the rules, it's going to be super fun and like exciting. But if you don't know the rules, it's going to be a rough ride. Yeah. Yeah? And, and shaitan's game or his tactic is to like, distract us from the laws and make us go against that tawaf, right? So that we keep crashing, keep suffering, depression, pain, poverty, health problems, anxiety, fear, relationship issues, health issues, money problems. And that's what's happening, right? And then we just finished Nusabbihu bihamdik. Is there time for Nuqaddisulak? What do you think? Yes, I think there's time. Okay, I'll be quick, inshallah. Nuqaddisulak. Because remember, what were the two things that, that uh, the insan d- did? Or the, like the creatures did? Fasad and? Right? So you have And we got to do this to finish it up inshallah. So let's look at the root word of Qadasa now To be pure Holy, spotless Sanctity, holiness Okay Above and opposite to all evil Replete with positive good Muqaddas means sacred Okay So Purity is one way of looking at this. Also, you know how, like, if you want to understand that Allah is beautiful, it's through this name, Al-Quddus. Allah's beauty, in Allah Jamilun Yuhibbul Jamal, comes from the idea of His Qadasa. Because Al-Jamil is not one of His names in the Quran. But Al-Quddus is. And so, why is He beautiful? It's because He's free of all sorts of impurity. And that's what he wants us to be like, right? That's what the angels are doing constantly. Purifying, purifying, purifying this earth. What's the opposite of taqdis? Rids. Impurity. 
Let's look at some ayat about rijs. Why am I sharing all this with you? Because I want you to understand the laws, right? So that you can all do tasbih, inshallah. Okay? So, some ayat of the rijs. So, so Allah says that, Mayta aw dam masfuhan aw lahma khanzir fa innahu rijs. What's mayta? Anything that's, uh, any animal that's killed, like, or, or if you find a dead animal that's not been like slaughtered properly, that's mayta, right? Daman masfuhan, blood, or even uh, pork, right? Um, is rijs, Allah says. So it goes against tahara, it goes against qadasa, right? It's impure. Same thing with um, here, Allah is telling us that he wants to remove all sorts of impurities from you. Those who don't have this belief in Allah, those who don't have this sense of peace and security with Allah, they're, in, they're stuck in this rids. Uh, another example where Allah tells us about alcohol and all sorts of drugs and anything that intoxicates you. Well, maysir, gambling, well, ansab, well, azlam. These are also different types of um, devices that you use to, uh, you know, waste money and, and cause problems in society. Ritsun, all of these are ritsun. Min amal shaytan tuflihun. So Allah didn't haram khamar, right? You know, if you like, the classic question is, 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 is alcohol haram? No, it's not. It's ridsun min amal shaytan. And Allah is saying, stay away from it if you want to be successful. Simple. So, nusub is uh, slaughtering for uh, sacrifice to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ansab. That's what nusub is. And aslam are arrows that they used to use to make decisions. You know how like spin the bottle? So should I open this business or not? Just spin the bottle and if it's yes, do it, no. Playing with luck, basically. Yeah. Game of chance. Yeah, game of chance, exactly. Yeah. Lottery, yeah. Maser is also lottery, right? Because it's easy money, right? Yeah. Uh, because easy money comes in, it goes out easy also. Yeah. But when you work and you earn it and you know how to earn it, then even if it gets lost, you can rebuild it very quickly. Yeah. So again, why is Allah telling us it's rich, it's impure, it's from amal shaitan Why is He saying stay away from it? Because He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be pure, right? But nuqaddi sulak is an invitation to also be, be pure. Live a life of purity. Purify our, our hearts, purify our minds, purify our characters, our words, our tongues, the way we deal with each other. Purifying our like, thoughts, from judgment and all sorts of things. Is it rich to not pray or is it haram to not pray? Because I didn't see that in the, in the previous slide in the commandments. Mm -hmm. uh, salah, you mean? Yeah, it didn't come there. No, so It's not there. So, Salah is a tool to do tathir. Saum is a tool to do tathir. Hajj is a tool to do tathir. These are all tools. So, we're finishing, inshallah. I know you guys are hungry. Yeah? Why both? 
Yeah, very good. Why do we need balance, by the way? Because if you only do, if you only follow the spiritual laws of Allah, like, let me ask you a question. Are there, like, very s successful people in the worldly sense who have a lot of money and they understand the laws of money and they understand the laws of making businesses and becoming very successful? Are there people like that who are completely depressed and in terrible family lives and, like, very evil people in their hearts, yes? So those, those people, they understand, they're doing tasbih of Allah's laws, but what's missing? The purity, right? There's impurity there. And then there's a lot of people who are, mashallah, very pure. They're always doing istighfar and tasbih, and they're cleaning their hearts, and they are so kind and loving, but they're broke. And they're always getting sick. And they have all sorts of relationship issues. What are they missing? They have the qadasa, but what are they missing? The laws, right? And so this is the balance. That's what the angels did. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end said, Inni a'lamu ma la ta'lamun, meaning Allah knows that from among his from among human beings there will be people who will choose to be Khalifas of Allah on earth. People who will choose to live a life of tasbih of his hand. And people who will choose to do this taqdis of Allah on earth. And those will be the ones who will truly fulfill this, this um, role of khilafah, right? But until we have this idea like ingrained in our minds that like we are the khalifas of Allah on earth, we are ambassadors of Allah on earth, that Allah has hopes from us, right? Allah has given us the potential, I wouldn't say responsibility, Allah has given us the potential to do so many great things. But what's missing? If we could just uh, like share some thoughts, what's missing? Why isn't it working now after you've like learned all these ideas? Where are the Khalifas of Allah on earth? Yeah. And uh, like, is it working though? Is this, this, um, this tasbih and taqdis, is it working? Yes? I see it working, yani. slow and steady, inshallah. It's, it's expanding. One of the big, biggest examples is you guys coming here and, and showing up, uh, spending two, three hours a week, uh, you know, every other week just to learn a little bit more about these laws. Um, and again, purification happens to our minds, to our hearts in these gatherings. Uh, being together also as yani, a small community also helps purify. Because you know, you're all on the, on the same, relative, relatively same vibration. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gift, it's a blessing, inshallah. So, that was it, uh, number 29 and 30. Inshallah, I hope this was some food for your thoughts and minds and, uh, and hearts, inshallah. And I look forward to seeing you again, inshallah, in, uh, in two weeks. Thank you so much. All right.